choose two people to help. Really, the reason I'm choosing them, so they can take the blame, not me, if we miss it. So that's the real reason that we're, I'm doing this. So I'm going to have, Sue's not here, I was going to have the ladies' ministry do it. So Sal, will you help me on this? No, you can't. You're eating and doing the records. You can't do it. Can I have a lady help me that is not going to participate? Glenn, she's saying no. She wants to win. <laughs> Debbie. All right, Debbie, you have to come up here. And I'm going to have the head of our men's ministry, Ron, you come up here. No, you can't win. Sorry. I'll, I, will, I will give you, she volunteered, and I'm not giving you a prize. Just come on up, all right? This is part of the, this is the responsibility and burden of leadership, right? Don't you feel sorry for them? No. All right. Now, what I'm going to do is ask, this is simple. I'm going to ask the question. The first one that puts their hand up that you recognize, that you agree upon, gets uh, to answer. We're being set up. Uh, no, I wouldn't do that. Um, and so this is how, listen, you'll never forget who James is after we do it this way. I don't know if this is the best way to do it. Please don't give me a lot of suggestions, though, because, you know. We're not going to do it that way anyway. We're just going to do it this way. So I'm really usually very flexible, but not today. Don't laugh, wife. No, you don't know the first answer. He's disqualified immediately. Uh, no, All right. I got lectures about winning. You got lectures about winning. Well, Robert Taylor wants a Cadillac. He said, I've always wanted a Cadillac. I said, who do you think's funding this? You know? All right. Are you ready? So the first one that is recognized, that shoots her hand up, that's right. Uh, this is going to be interesting. The first one that they recognize, and I'm going to let both of them, they have to agree on it. Okay? Here's the first question. There are three significant James mentioned. Three significant James. There's more than that, but three that I'm going to account is the right answer. Three significant James in the New Testament. Who are they? Glenn? Glenn? All right, Glenn. Okay. Who are they? James of Zebedee. James of Alphaeus. And James the brother of Jesus. All right. That's exactly right. Let's give him a hand. Now, I maybe I should question him and say and say, "No, it's okay if you want to cheat." I heard he had someone that was looking up that was asked me if Google was all right. I said, "I don't care, you know." So you get a coaster that says "Be still." This is good for you. All right. All right. Now, he, didn't, he said James of Alphaeus and James of Zebedee. I don't know, I'm not sure if Glenn knows if that was where they're from or if that was their daddy's name. So I'm not going to question him on that, but being from East Texas, I'm not real sure he would know that. So let's just, let's just move on. Okay, so good job. That's the first one. All right, here's the way I'm going to do the next one. The first woman who raises her hand gets the right, is right, okay? Gets the, the chance to be right. Who, who were James's parents? Mal, Mal, 
There you go, Zebedee and Salome, all right? Or Salome, Salome, you can pronounce it either way. I guess, I don't know, I wasn't there, all right? You got that? Zebedee and Salome, all right? Good, good answer. Now, I did see that Valerie slipped Debbie $5 before this started, so... But obviously it worked, right? It worked. That's right. It I'll give you one of these girly ones, okay? I wanted to give this to Glenn, but this is girly. Yeah, it goes in the car, all right? Okay, next one. Let's do another woman, all right? So we'll do another woman. I know it's not fair. You know, I'm more worried about women getting mad at me than I am men. Men will forget it before they get out the door. A woman will hold it against me forever, so... That's why I'm agreeing with her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Davy and Ron, help me find it. So this would be the first woman, you guys, okay? Who was James's brother? I can't answer. Cecil. John. All right. What'd you say? James's brother was John. Author of John and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and Revelation. All right? That's who James and John. All right, next question. All right, well done. All right, I got another girly one here for you. Don is laughing, but Don already told me I want to win. So, uh, okay, as many of you told me. All right, next one. And for visitors, we don't, we're usually not this silly. We're usually a little sillier than this. So, so what, what nickname did Jesus give the brothers? Uh, wait, 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 stop. Put your hands down. Oh, and fair. This is, this is, fair. I can't have any more argument from the judges now, okay? <laughs> the judges, you have to be totally on my side on this thing. All right? Okay. All right. <laughs> okay, this is for a man. All right, since we did two ladies in a row, this is for a man. Who, are you ready? Maybe I ought to go to a different question. Since I already asked, okay, I'm going to go to a different question. I'll come back to that one. All right, men, here we go. Sorry, you men are going, oh, I knew that one. What was James's occupation? Yeah, should we allow family? Yeah, okay. What was his occupation? Fisherman. Fisherman. All right, that's right. James was a fisherman. Good job. All right. There you go. This is for your car. Thank you. Okay. No, you can't trade it in. Did we do the nickname? We didn't do the nickname. What nickname did Jesus give? This is this is the ladies, right? Okay. What Don is already ready. What nickname did Jesus give the brothers? Sons of Thunder. That's right. Thunder, Thunder. Sons of Thunder. They, uh, the Sons of Thunder, Tommy Armstrong and Mary Armstrong, they have two grandsons in, in Florida. You know what their names are? Sons of Thunder. And if you ever met them, you'd understand why. Okay, next question. Men. Oh, sorry. You thought you weren't going to get a prize, didn't you? I was going to get it later. You get it later. She was real worried about it, I could tell. Okay, next question. 
And Cadillac's coming, so stay in there, Robert. Okay. <laughs> the next question. This is uh, this is men. Is this men's turn, right? Okay. Men's turn. Which New Testament books? And you have to get them all right. What New Testament books mention James? The James we're discussing. What what is this? What is this? Is this like I know half of them? No, I'm willing to give it a shot. All right, give it a shot. Now, if he's not wrong, we're going to ask you again, okay? I mean, it's not right. If he's wrong, we'll ask you again, all right? The Gospels in the book of Acts. Pardon me? Well, and what are the Gospels? Oh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. No, oh, I just want to make sure you know. Oh. <laughs> okay, that's correct. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, all right? All right. Okay, see if you can catch this. No, all right, next question is for the ladies, right? See, you knew that, didn't you? You, was, you were thinking I should have asked for the ladies, right? <laughs> All right. I think this is the last question. Are you ready? Okay, you want to open this up to everybody? The last one, or should I do this to the ladies? It's the last one. You've already got your hand up. That's not fair. She's one of the ones that told me I'm going to win. You know, and it was like, and if you don't let me, I'm going to hurt you. She didn't say that, but it was in her eyes. It was in her heart, you know. All right, here we go. A one man and one woman. So we'll take the first man and the first woman because i got two prizes left. All right? Anyway, how did James die? No men? No, you've already won. No men? Okay, Don. Did you say Don and... What's your name? Janice. Oh, the one that wanted to hurt me. Okay. Uh, by the sword. By the sword. By whom? Herod. Herod. All right. You both win. All right. Let's go. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, and you did a great job. This is your prize. All right. God bless you. She gets the bag. All right. This is a woman thing here, and this is a man thing. Be still. Thank you. Be still, you'll feel good. All right. All right, here we go. Hey, Charlie, don't call him when he's still. He gets still, he goes to sleep. Oh, yeah, well. He has that, he has that the, uh, the King Don version. Be still and go to sleep. All right. So we're going to look at James. He's known, we, you have on your list, James the Disciple. He's known as... James the Great. Why would he be known as James the Great? He was taller than James the Less. Very good. Well, in the, in the list, it lists the other James, the son of Alphaeus, is in one place as James the Less. So they gave him James the Great. Now the other thing is about James is that we don't have any uh, of James the Less or the Lesser we don't really have anything other than he's in the list of, of disciples, of apostles. There is more about James, but I think you'll find interesting today that there's nothing about James by himself. It's all always in conjunction with others, usually with his brother, John, the sons of thunder, and we'll see just a moment how they became known as the sons of thunder. Let's just stop for a moment and, and now ask the Lord to teach us what we need to know, and Father, open our hearts to what would be helpful to us. 
Thank you for what you've already spoken to our hearts about today. Now is the opportunity for you to continue to teach us your word and something that would help us to be a better Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we, we're going to look at two events in, in, their, in his life, and then we're going to look at where, he, where he's there, and so things happen. We don't really see much until the end. We don't see much about James doing anything specifically that we could say, here's a lesson, lesson that is solely about James, but we see a lot about James in conjunction with others at the events where he's at, and then we're going to see three exclusive personal experience that he had along with his brother John and with Peter as part of the inner circle with Jesus. Okay? So follow me. We'll go quickly. Scene number one, the two events in James' life. Scene number one, Luke chapter 9 and verse 51 through verse 56. Let me just tell you the story. We won't read all of it. Jesus set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers. He sent an advance team, really, to clear the way for him, to help prepare him as he's heading toward Jerusalem, provide, you know, lodging path through, a way through, and so on to get to Jerusalem. And when he got there, when the, when the advance team got there, the Samaritans, the Samaritan village, they didn't like that. And so they said, get out of here. And they weren't real happy with it. That's an unusual kind of story to us. It was very common then because of the hatred between the Samaritans and the, and the Jews. I mean, just a racial and um, historically and religiously and any way you can think of it, there was great hatred between the Samaritans and the Jews. And they said, no, he, we don't want him here. And so the Sons of Thunder, if you read verse 54 in, this, in, in Luke chapter 9, after all this happened, the Sons of Thunder did not take that too well. They said in verse 54, when the disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? Ah, that would have been my question. But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village. Now, what does that tell you? What does this passage tell you? I'm going to have a table. Let me pick on a table. Which table would like to give me... Just in a, this looks like a studious table right here, doesn't it? <laughs> they all look at each other like me? Okay, studious table. What does this story and their, their question that they had, given the circumstances, and Jesus' response, what does that tell you about this event that might be interesting for us to think about today? What's the first thing when you read that, when you heard that, what was the first thing that came into your mind? Yes. It's interesting that they, they knew they had power to do so. Yeah, they had power to do so. Because if you look at some translations, it says, maybe yours has, a, does anybody have anything added there? Should we call down fire from heaven? Consume them. And consume them? What, but does anybody else, what? And burn them up. And, 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 and does anybody else have? To destroy them. As Elijah did. Does anybody have that? Okay, that's, that's in some of the earlier manuscripts. So what they're thinking, they're going back to 1 Kings. They're thinking that that same thing when, 
Elijah, you know, that was another story. Go up, thou bald head, and so on. If anybody ever makes fun of you about being bald, Eddie, you can just burn them up and, uh, or call the bears out from the field and have them eat them up. There's all kinds of things you can do about that when they made fun of Elijah for being bald-headed. But anyway, th this is a, you know, it's an interesting story. What, what did you think? What did you think when you read that? When you heard that? When you heard them say, let's call down fire from heaven. What do you think about that? Righteous indignation. Righteous indignation. Good, 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 good point. I think Jesus probably rebuked them. Why? Because it wasn't righteous. Right? And I would, I would suggest to you that we have here a case of zeal without grace. I think you see that a lot, especially, it's, it's funny, every time you see this in the scripture, it's men. This, uh, it's interesting. Jesus modeled exactly what the balance in our life should be. In John chapter 1, verse 17, it talks about Jesus being, it says that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The balance of grace and truth. They had a lot of zeal, indignation, a lot of truth, but not much mercy. And that's what I think Jesus rebuked them about. Yes, ma'am. And then this um, says the quote, For the Son of Man has not come to destroy people's lives, but to save them. Yeah. Which is, is in reference to 55, when it says right here. But yeah. Jesus turned and rebuked them, and then the postscript is that. The Son that's of great. Is that sort of what this says right here? When he came to save, not to judge. Not to judge. And he came to save the world, right? So we're thinking the right same thing. There you go. I'm glad Chuck Swindoll agrees with me. <laughs> I didn't read that from Chuck's Bible, which I read from every day, but I didn't read that. Jesus said, what, I, here's what he, how he rebuked them. I know this is how he had to rebuke them. I came to save, not to judge. He said, I came to, John 3.17 said that I came in the world, to, I came to save, not to condemn. They were quick to condemn. All right, so that's the first little view that we have. Does this characterize our attitude, I guess, is what I want to bring uh, to your attention toward the world, or do they see us balanced, full of grace, full of truth? If you're all grace and no truth, that makes you liberal in your theology usually, and it makes you just like the rest of the world. If you're all tr grace, that's all great. If you're all truth and no grace, that makes you like the Pharisee. I've, I've been around both. Have, have you been around both folks? I'm not going to ask you which camp that you have difficulty with and which one you fall into. And please don't ask my wife because she would tell you exactly which camp I have trouble falling into all the time. And it's not the grace camp. It's probably more the truth camp. My kids would definitely tell you that it's the truth camp, not the grace camp. And so here they come, the first scene, boom, the sons of thunder, let's burn them up. And Jesus rebukes them. Scene number two, Mark chapter 10. Turn over to Mark chapter 10. 
This is such an unusual story. And I really have, <laughs> I have difficulty even justifying this story. And then I started reading and thinking about praying about it some more. And I said, man, I, I can see how this will happen. If you look at, it starts out verse 35, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. So here's James coming with his brother. And they come to Jesus. And if you read the in Matthew 20 version of this, the mother is with them. Which I think is a hilarious thing. I mean, think about it. These are grown men. These are fishermen. Hey, big tough guys. And they said, hey, hey, uh, Jesus, uh, uh, mom wants to ask you something. <laughs> That's sort of what happened. And mom said, uh, I, Jesus, I'd like my boys. One, I'd like my boys one to be on the right hand and one to be on the left hand when you, when you come to your kingdom. Wouldn't it? How about that? I mean, verse 36, Jesus said, which I mentioned several weeks ago, and I've been utilizing this a lot in my prayer life, and let me suggest to you that that's a great way to pray when you're praying for things that are on your heart. It, I, I picture Jesus in this verse standing very gently and kindly, because he knows what's coming. And he just says, what do you want me to do for you? If it had been me, I would have said, okay, mama's boys, what do you want? But that's not me. Full of grace and truth says, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, well, I want to sit on the right hand, you want to sit on the left hand. And what does Jesus say? Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? They said, we can. Jesus said, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm, baptism, I'm, I'm baptized with. What's he talking about? Yeah, he's talking about his death. He's talking about suffering for Christ. And they said, we can do that. We can do that. We collect mottos. And, and do you know what I'm talking about when I say mottos? There's these cross-stitch mottos, you know, Rock of Ages, things like that on it from, I guess, the late 1800s. That was we, Early on when we got married, we used to collect them all over. And my favorite sits in our dining room, and it's no cross, no crown. <coughs> That's what Jesus said. He said, hey guys, no cross, no crown. See, they wanted, they wanted the position, but I'm not sure they knew what was facing them. And Jesus, of course, said, well, hey guys, you will face that. But I'm not sure that uh, they wanted the significance, but I'm not sure they wanted the servanthood that came along with that. No cross, no crown. Somebody said this last night when we were talking in our, in our growth group, and I just put it in the back of my head, but there's, there's no Christian hierarchy in the kingdom and Jesus is trying to help them realize they've got the wrong idea of what forever is all about. They've got the wrong idea about what the kingdom living is all about. Because Jesus goes on to say in this passage, look at verse 44. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. 
For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. They were expecting Jesus to come and set up his kingdom. He had just told them of his death. And so they, they had the wrong perspective about forever. Forever is, it's going to be, a, it's gonna, forever means service, serving, serving. We're studying in our, in our growth groups, we're studying heaven. And we just started, and like I said, in our growth group last night, the first session on heaven. And I'm learning more and more and more about heaven and what we're going to do and what, what's, what's the Bible says is going to happen there as opposed to my Hollywood view of what heaven's all about. But one of the things I'm convinced of is that the kingdom life, which they were seeking, is not going to be, okay, you get this little throne, you get this little throne, you're going to, you, know, you get to be next to me, the big guy, and so on. That's not what it's about. Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. All right, let's go to the three events and then we'll be done. Turn to Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, we have this. I'll tell the story real quick and read a couple of verses. Jairus' daughter, Jairus was the ruler of the synagogue. And he went to Jesus and said, hey, my daughter is dying. I need you. And Jesus says, okay, and he starts to go there. He's interrupted by another case, and we read of that in Luke chapter 8. And then they go to get to Jairus' house. They said right before, in, uh, well, in verse 49, it says Jesus was speaking. Someone came from Jairus' house, the synagogue ruler, said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. It's too late. She's dead. What does Jesus said, say? Verse 50. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived to the house of Jairus, now here comes James again. He did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were out wailing and screaming, and she's not dead but asleep. They laughed at him, and he just said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, and he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Peter and James and John got the experience of this private audience of seeing Jesus raise someone from the dead. Here's what I'll leave you with quickly on this experience. Jesus helped the haters. The rulers of synagogue were not his friends. They hated him. But when Jairus' daughter uh, got sick unto death, where did he go? He ran to Jesus. <laughs> so what did Jesus say? I'm sorry. I, I, you know, you don't like me. I can't help you. Jesus said, no, he helped the helpers. Haters treated his enemies so kindly. The next thing it says to me and that Jesus taught us that faith conquers fear. Faith conquers fear. One of the things that I, when I spent time with Tommy Armstrong before he went to heaven, and I spent a lot of time with him and sat with him and talked to him and prayed with him, and mostly he prayed with me and uh, talked to him, and he shared what was going on in his heart and mind. 
Never one time did I detect a second of fear, knowing that he would be in eternity. Why? Because Tommy believed what he talked about. He believed what he lived. And his faith had perfect love cast out fear. He had perfect love for Jesus. When I talked to him, I said, Tommy, what do you think? He said, I just want to see Jesus. I love him so much. I want to see him. That cast out all fear. It also tells me that Jesus clearly showed that he was interested in the individual, not the crowd. Now, if this had been Benny Hanner, one of our faith healers of the day, it would have been broadcast on you know, the Christian Broadcasting Network, and everybody would have been there. We'd had to be, Jesus said, I don't want any crowds. I, I'm going go, to go into the room. I'm taking Peter, James, and John, because they need to see this, because Peter is going to die uh, and suffer martyrdom. James is going to suffer martyrdom, and John is going to be exiled after he's beaten and tortured to the Isle of Patmos. These guys need to see what this is all about. And where did, what does he do? He goes in and he said, I'm interested in this one 12-year-old kid. And takes time to do a great miracle and raise her from the dead. Now, tells you a lot, doesn't it? I don't have to say anything about it. It, sh it also shows that Jesus saw the potential, not the problem. He saw, he, went, he said, she's not dead. She's asleep. They laughed him to scorn. He saw the potential of what faith can do, not the problem that had been put up in front of him. So there's a lot from that. The last thing is a simple thing. Have you ever noticed this in this, uh, in this story? I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a neat thing that I don't want to forget. I've got too many stories going on here today. Look at uh, verse 55. It said that after he healed her, he said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then what did Jesus do? He said, Get her something to eat. Get her something to eat. He was interested in her physical needs. And as, as, as we serve on the mission field, this becomes immediately obvious to me that we serve and meet, try to meet their physical needs and help them physically and give the cup of water in Jesus' name and give the eye examination and glasses in Jesus' name and the wheelchairs in Jesus' name. None of that saves their soul. <laughs> but Jesus is interested in that. And it gives us the opportunity to say, oh yeah, by the way, the reason we're doing this is because we not only want to see your sight physically restored, we want to see your spiritual sight restored. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 is a transfiguration. I won't read it, but here is in chapter 9, verse 28. It starts, he takes once again Peter, John, and who? James with him. So James is here again, the inner circle, takes him to the mountain to pray. As he was praying, his appearance changes. And what happens? He, he, he was praying and his uh, clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. You know, his, his face changed. And then he sees two men 
Moses and Elijah, can you imagine this scene? Peter, James, and John are with him. The inner circle again. They see Jesus changed. And what I picture in my mind when I read this text is because you see humanity revealing the humanity, the Son of Man, the humanity of Jesus being pulled back just for a second so that the glory, the deity, the glory of God, the evidence of God, which is what the glory of God means, reveals to those that are standing there. I, I can't imagine what that must have looked like. First of all, they're saying, you know, these guys lived a long time ago, but I know who they are. That's Moses and that's Elijah. And we're seeing, because it says right here in verse uh, 32, he said they were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, I guess they got awake, they saw his glory. So they see, for a moment, they see the very glory of Jesus, which they see the glory of God. And they see these two men and, there's, and so what does Peter do? Peter goes, I got an idea. Let's start a conference. We're going to have a, a uh, I've been with Jesus conference. We're going to set up a tent here for those who like Moses and a tent here for those who like Elijah and a tent here for Jesus. Is that, isn't that a great idea? God didn't think so. God goes, well, wait a second. While he was speaking... A cloud appeared and enveloped them, verse 34. They were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my Son whom I have chosen. Listen to Him. <laughs> and so he, he's saying, look, there's, there's several things. One prayer was important to Jesus. He goes to spend time alone praying. It's a great study if you'll go through this once and just say, I want to study the time that Jesus prayed. It, it's it's, it's, it's life-changing to your prayer life. Prayer was important. Moses and Elijah, what does that tell you? We're studying heaven right now. Moses and Elijah had been dead for a long time, right? And so Moses and Elijah were in heaven. And so Jesus chooses to let them come, and I don't know how this happens. I mean, you know, in sort of Star Trek stuff, they were transported to the Mount of Transfiguration. That's not how it happened, but I mean, in my, in my comic book mind, this is what I'm thinking. And so here's, G all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah. What does that tell you about heaven? Think about this. These are people who have died thousands of years before. Now they're on the Mount Transfiguration. What does that tell you? It tells me a lot of things. Since you asked that question, I'll answer it. It said that, that people are visible. People retain their identity. So who will John Petschke be in heaven? John Petschke. Right? I don't know if that's good or bad, John, but as you, sorry, you're sort of stuck with it. Because God created you that way. I believe that, though. I mean, what, Moses and Elijah still Moses and Elijah. Does that mean my dad will still be my dad? I believe so. Does that believe my brother will still be my brother? I believe so. I believe I'll get to heaven and I'll say, Hey, Russ, good to see you. Man, I, I missed you. He's going to say, I miss you a lot. <laughs> I've been having a great time. 
I believe, notice that they converse with Jesus. They're talking to Jesus. This is not something new to them. They're sitting down there just talking away. 